I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to The Growth Vault. Hey, my friends. Welcome to The Growth Vault Podcast. Josh here. I'm hanging out with my good buddy, Nicholas Bailey. Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. He's awesome. And uh, I actually got to see him in California a few weeks ago. He's got an incredible story really accomplished business guy, crazy story. He used to be like 60 pounds overweight. He didn't have a girlfriend for like a gajillion years. Now he has like this insanely beautiful wife. He's got a kid, he's got a multi-million dollar business. But more than that, I just love um, your perspective on mindset. He specifically helps men. Um, and you just have some, some gold in your brain and you've worked hard to get it there. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, today, Nicholas. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. I, I caught me drinking out of my like 50 gallon jug right here. That was my pattern interrupt just to get you guys to, to stop <laughs> and watch the video. So hopefully that it worked. And as is you that, said, like, what was that? I was going to say, is that water or moonshine? What's in that? Uh, it's a 50, 50 mixture. You know, I'm a lightweight. <laughs> Perfect. So, Excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's actually our side business now that everything's like closed down. We're saying it's hand sanitizer, but it's actually moonshine. So that's, that's one of the business. <laughs> that's why we're doing well, you so have two different vertical markets to sell to. That's, it's perfect. See, people like you pivot. We know how to capitalize on opportunities. Yeah, normally I just do the audio podcast, but I decided to record this. So I will, this is on Facebook too. So let us say hi in the comments. Uh, I just want to add value to everybody because people are freaking out. Um, should they freak out? I don't know. We can talk about that, but people are. A big portion of people are completely paralyzed or freaking out. And you said something in your, in your Billion Dollar Body Facebook group the other day that I wanted you to expand on. You, you mentioned that divorce rates are skyrocketing in oh. China because of the quarantine. I, and what the heck? Like, where did you hear that? And I think that's interesting because people are forced to actually spend time with their spouse, God forbid. What the heck, man? That, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So what, I saw some stuff coming out that after the quarantine, people coming back out that they saw a rise in divorce rates. And it was just so interesting to me because you would think that families being together, people being together, that, that would cause a lot of connection. And I'm assuming this one I don't know the facts on is that if you spend so much time away, like military families, they typically have a hard time when they're not deploying anymore, when the husband's not deploying or the wife's not deploying for three months or six months because they get in this routine of this is how life is. And it's tough to break that routine. So if you're at home, I'm assuming that you've already gone through this. Like you probably know what I'm talking about when it's like, I had a friend post the other day and say, if you want to figure out all the problems that you have in your relationship, just be in quarantine for two weeks together because you're in this like <laughs> proximity where you can't walk away. You do things and working out. I was, I would act like I was doing a hard work when people were looking, but as soon as they weren't looking, I was just kind of like flying underneath the radar. And so mm. I, th that means I could blame my success, not on my lack of work. I could just blame it on I don't know what happened. You saw me working so hard. I don't know why it didn't work out for me. I don't know why I'm not fit. I can't lose weight. Like you saw me working out when you were looking at me and I could blame it on all these external circumstances. And, and one of the things that I see right now is like, uh, the pressure that we see, like I always say that pressure doesn't create weakness. It always exposes it. So if you're at home and, or your business is doing like needs to make pivots, mine even did, 
And if you're at home right now and your relationship is maybe having a little bit of conflict because of all the things that are going on and the kids are freaking everyone out and all this crazy stuff, realize that the first thing to know is that pressure doesn't create weakness. Just like if you had pipes in your house and they burst, they don't blow up and disintegrate the whole pipe. They break in one area. And that's typically the area where it's weak. But you don't know that weakness is there until the pressure rises. And when the pressure rises, it exposes the weakest part of the pipe. And so I would look at it like, man, this isn't something new, right? Oh, my relationship was amazing, but now that I'm home, it's not amazing. My business was amazing, but now that the economy and the virus came in, now it's, no, it, it's just exposing a weakness that was already there, which means that even just seeing it means that you've made progress, which is a total different mindset shift of, wow, this was already here. Not I'm going backwards, look at my business revenues going backwards. No, like you're, you've seen something that was already a vulnerability. It just wasn't exposed yet. And so mm. looking at that, I believe that if someone else, let's say Josh was in the situation, he's been through a lot of things and in his business or in his marriage, he's been through a lot of stuff. And maybe if he was put in the same situation as me, where I'm stressed out about a business situation or stressed out about a relationship situation, he wouldn't be stressed which means that the situation doesn't cause stretch. The person in the situation creates stress for themselves. It's a perception, right? Dude, we could stop right now. And you've, I've never even heard someone say that before. I don't know where you got that. It's just unbelievable, self-evident truth bomb. The pressure does not create weakness. It exposes it. Oh my gosh, that is insane. Holy cow. Wow. So, I agree, obviously, because how can you disagree with two plus two equals four? Like what you said is just truth with a capital T. <laughs> so, man, that, that might be a hard word for people to accept or hear, but it's so good. It's so good. So um, let's talk about capacity. Like you said, you could have two people going through an identical stressful situation or identical circumstance. One person doesn't even notice it. The other person is paralyzed and in the fetal position from the exact same circumstance. The only difference between these two people is their capacity, their scar tissue, their, their life experience, I, I guess, right? And how do we increase capacity? What, how, what can we do right now to come out stronger on the other side? What do you think? Yeah, so I'm only 28 years old. And though I didn't have a girlfriend for a bazillion years, it's seven years. And, <laughs> and so some people are probably listening. And I don't want it to be about, I'm 20, 28. My family owned businesses for 40 years. And so they had a, a really hard time when it came to 2008, 2009. My uh, uncle had an eight-figure retail store, multiple shops selling clothes in malls. And, then, and that was about $300,000 a month just of rent and overhead. So these that was a lot of overhead for him. And then my dad also had flood restoration and, and carpet cleaning. And one of the things that they didn't do, and, and there's a reason for all of this, is that they didn't learn when things were good. Now, everyone listening right now, you probably were listening to Josh and, and connected to people. When times were good, you were still learning. So congrats. My family, we had a 40-foot motorhome, 28-foot enclosed trailer. We had dune buggies. We had quads. We had golf carts. We had all these different things. We had a gas pump on the property we could fill up our cars with. So we were like styling. My dad didn't think he needed to learn. And there was this guy out there that actually at the time was trying to teach people how to pivot in times like right now. And I remember uh, he had this ponytail. My dad told me about him, that he was some scam artist that was trying to teach people how to make these pivots and go online back in the day. And so all of a sudden, a few years later, um, I met this guy that was bald that said he was a carpet cleaner. 
and used to have like flood restoration and stuff. And I shake his hand. I said, what's your name? He's like, oh, my name's Joe Polish. And I was like, awesome. I was, I'm a carpet cleaner. I'm just looking to start business as well. Like, this is so cool. I can't wait to tell my dad about you because you have this carpet cleaning product that helps scale this, pro- this, this business. And now that product's kind of like old school, but back in the day, it was amazing. And this guy now has a group of people that pay $25,000 a year, about 400 of them, billionaires, all this stuff. So that's about $10 million a year, not from other things. And all the, I went home and I said, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. I met this guy named Joe Paul. She goes, that guy with the freaking ponytail? And I was like, no, like he's completely bald. And he's like, no, that guy used to try to sell the programs. And, and it was so interesting because Joe went on to pivot and teach online and create a marketing company and help all these other businesses. And my dad was resistant to the change. He thought if he could just write it out and keep doing the same old thing, that he would somehow make it through and weather the storm. And he ended up paying a different way. He ended up investing $150,000 of my own family's money or his money, but our family and claiming bankruptcy. And that was his way of paying rather than buying the course and investing with the guy. And so first, I just want to commend everyone on here because you've made investments in good times. And now if you're going through a quote unquote rough time, you're still making the investments right now to make the changes just like that guy Joe did. My dad was just resistant to it and it was a completely different time. So with that, uh, for me, I was able to learn through that process as well. And I got a mentor about 10 years ago now named Yost that's, that's a Navy SEAL mentor. And I talked about my mindset being so like, jacked how do i increase my capacity to be able to handle this like weight this new pressure uh, that comes on us and one of the first things is i remember when i was trying to build our business amanda and i when things were good we joined a network marketing company when i was 20 years old and it went shot up to 600 million dollars like they did 600 million dollars in one year they were the fastest growing company i mean you really had to be doing something completely wrong not to make money because the company's making money, everyone's making money. You throw that thing out there, people are buying it. All of a sudden that company tanked and our income tanked. And I got in this really, this place where I had this lottery mindset where I was like, man, you know what? Maybe if I put a video out there, this will be the one that blows up. And maybe if I put my wife out there as the face and she's so cute, maybe we'll get lucky and it'll blow up. How could people not pay us? I kept thinking like someone else was going to come in and like solve the problem. That might be the government. Oh, you know, I could kind of like kick back for a second, weather the storm and maybe they'll pay my, my employment and like I'll be able to pay all my employees and I'll get a loan from them. And you're and thinking about all this backtracking and like, and not taking responsibility. And that's where I would have been. I'd have been like, oh, great. Like I can get this money and get this money and get this help and get this help and never really take that responsibility. And I learned from my mentor, Yost, two things, the definition of true commitment, which is really, really big right now, and then taking responsibility. So the company we had, my wife and I, when it wasn't attached to a company that was already skyrocketing, when we had our own company, I never was able to pay myself more than $3,000 in a month for three years. Because of this thought of like, why isn't it happening for me? Why are things not working? Why is the product not selling? And it was always like based on everything else happening outside of me. And then one day, my wife and I actually made a $5,000 investment in ourselves. And it kind of like made me wake up a little bit and go, okay, this is scary. I need to do something. And I had a chance. I had a decision to make. Do I fold and just keep saying, Hopefully we'll hit the lotto. Hopefully this will work for me. Hopefully something will happen where I get lucky. Or I had this quote come to me and it's probably a famous quote. And it's just, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Someone had said that to me one time. And I just thought, man, what if it is? Like if it's meant to be, is it really up to me? 
And I just started to ask myself that in every, every like situation in our business, in my life, with my wife, with my fitness. And for some reason, taking responsibility, we think that if we want to decrease pressure in our lives, that we need to give up responsibilities and we just need to go to a beach somewhere. And if we get away from all of our pressures and stress, then we'll be free and happy. Yet you're seeing people die soon after they retire because they have no responsibility anymore. Mm-hmm. And truly the way, and Jordan Peterson is really big on this, truly the way to feel purpose and to feel power is to take on responsibility, not to release responsibility. So I felt this sense of like, wow, what would it look like if I actually took responsibility for my health, my family, my business? So every day I started waking up and going, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. If I want to make $250 a day in this business, then if it's meant to be, it's up to me. If each carpet cleaning van needs to make $500 a day, I'm not going to base it based on the people that call in. Man, it's raining outside. Like we can't do any business. Hopefully a flood calls in. No, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I started thinking, okay, what can I do? Like I'm not trying to do it all on my own strength. Like for me, I'm a Christian. I'm not about like, oh, this is all up to me. And like, I'm going to do all my own strength. But I am about what, what am I called to do? that God can't do. And he's called me to actually take dominion over things. So for me, I'm like, what can I do? What's my role in this situation? And I want to do that because I know God's going to show up. I'm just asking like, am I showing up? So that was number one, taking responsibility. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. If you can ask yourself and filter that question through your mind of everything you're doing right now, it's like, you know, instead of looking at the trash and going, man, it's so overfilled. Like, is someone going to take that out? It's like, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. You're like, wow. I can grab the trash in 30 seconds. Everyone, it's can you imagine if the whole world just adopted that mindset tomorrow, how magical everything would become instantly? I, mean, I have people in my own group of business owners going, man, it should sure looks nice being in quarantine, getting paid for the people out there. I'm still out here working it. Well, I'm like, dude, you're still looking at like comparing and hoping that you can get a $1,500 check from sitting at home for two weeks when we still have our whole life to live. Like a $1,500 check or a $3,000 check isn't going to do anything. It's not going to solve your problem. And so that was number one. Number two is commitment. I think this is one of the most powerful things that if we could just adopt this, it would change everything. The definition of commitment that we use is doing what you said you were going to do after the feeling you set it in is gone. So if you feel like working on your business or you feel like being married or you feel like going to the gym, you're not exercising commitment. That's just excitement. That's the easy stuff. And so when you're in a powerful state or when you're in a powerful feeling, like you're like, man, I want to dominate in business or I want to save my marriage or I want to go out there and get really fit, that's actually the time. And Tony Robbins says it really well. Make commitments when you're in state, in a powerful state, so that when you're not in a powerful state, you stick to them. And too many of us, we make our biggest life decisions when we're not in a powerful state. Man, the business isn't doing well. You know what? We should do this. No, 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 that is not the time. Oh man, you know, I don't feel like working out today. You know what? I probably should do. No, no, no. That's not the time to make decisions. The time to make a decision is when you're in a powerful state because typically nothing is created in the seen world around us until it's first created in the unseen world. So it's first created in our mind or our imagination before you'll ever see it. No one's ever created this light bulb that's lighting me up or Disney World or the earth as we know it without it first being seen somewhere else. And then it was created and spoken or created into existence. Mm -hmm. So that's true. You can create the world around you. It's just, what are your thoughts right now? 
Is this going to be a hard time for you? Is this going to take a long time to build your business? Is your marriage really rocky and you don't think it'll ever like change and you won't ever be forgiven for what you do? There's another quote that says, whatever you ask of life, it'll give it to you. So just think that life will say amen to whatever you think and believe. Mm. Man, this is going to be rough. Life's like, okay, okay, amen. <laughs> whatever, your wish is my command, right? So uh, when I look at that, it's like commitment figure out if you're in a, a really excited, powerful state, not ignorance is bliss and just dreaming too big, whatever, but actually in a powerful state. And typically we make commitments when we're in a cozy situation. Like right now it's pretty warm in my house. I'm pretty awake. It's about, it's, you know, it's the afternoon or, or um, late morning. And, and it's like, man, I should really like work out for 90 days. Oh, I should do that 75 hard challenge, working out twice a day, drink a gallon of water. Like that sounds great. Well, of course it sounds great. It's warm. I'm awake. It's a good day. And so what you want to do is exercise commitment when you don't feel like doing it and don't allow yourself to make decisions in a not powerful state. So right now, maybe you're feeling powerful because you're listening to me like, man, I totally get this. This makes so much sense. It's like, great. We'll start writing down things in the three core areas of your life that we teach, which is health, wealth, relationships. And you can pretty much break everything down under those three things. Mm -hmm. I found out later, they're the three core markets that you can even market your business in. Three core desires people want. So what are the areas and the the places that that you want to commit to and the things you want to do in those areas? So that when you don't feel like doing it, when you don't feel like working, when you don't feel like you can make it, great. That's why you made a commitment when you were in a powerful state so that the lesser you doesn't ruin and sabotage all of it when you're in that powerful state. Last thing, this is what it does. Think about it in a relationship. Commitment is what gets you to get through conflict. The greatest level of commitment is typically marriage. Till death do us part, you know, for for better or worse, sicker, sickness or in health, like all these things, right? That's a big commitment. It's like, it, no matter what happens, I'm committing to you. What happens is that there's no commitment in a relationship. There's all distrust. So like you can only have intimacy and commitment. If the intimacy is higher than the commitment level, this is all distrust. If the commitment level is higher than the intimacy level, this is all trust. And so what ends up happening is let's say a relationship doesn't have trust and you have conflict. What ends up happening is because you have no trust, you can't work through the conflict, no commitment, which means that it just never feels good. It just feels terrible, right? Like you can't get through it. But here's what happens when you have commitment. You say, I'm willing to work through any of this stuff, share with you my biggest feelings because I know we have commitment to each other. So I know that no matter what I say, we won't leave if, if you actually had the commitment that you actually spoke out. So if you have that commitment, it allows you to be open and talk about things because you know that that person's not going to leave you, right? If I were to meet someone like me and Josh, we just met and I said, you're an idiot. Josh would go, okay, well, I'm never going to talk to you again because we have no commitment in our relationship. But think about brothers or sisters, you know, like family. They say, you're an idiot. And you're like, well, we're family. So like, we're going to work this out. You know, we have to work through this. We're family. We'll still see each other because that's a greater level of commitment. Marriage is even more than that. And so when you look at commitment this way, what ends up happening is let's say I get in an argument with my wife. We can come together and talk about it because we have a greater commitment than the conflict, which allows us to work through the conflict. And what ends up happening is that on the other side of that conflict, you have more understanding. The only way to love someone more is through greater understanding. 
And so if you can get through the conflict, you end up having greater conversation. Uh, understanding, which means that you then have greater love and you get the feeling back that you had in the beginning and you recommit to what you were doing. And so really the lack of commitment is actually keeps you from the feelings that you wish that you had. It's kind of same with working out. You make a commitment when you're ready, when you're all excited, you don't feel like working out and you actually go do it. You get through that conflict because you're more committed than your, than the conflict, like your commitment's higher than the conflict. You get through that on the other side, you get this experience of like, oh my gosh, this is what it feels like to work out. Like, this is amazing. And then you make another powerful commitment. I'm going to do this again tomorrow. You don't feel like it tomorrow. You get through that conflict because your commitment's higher. You're doing what you said you're going to do after the feeling you set in is gone. And then you do the workout and then you're like, wow, this feels amazing. Or you eat good food for a day or you have that conversation with your significant other or you go out there and you get your to-dos done in business and it doesn't create a self-sabotage. So hopefully that shows a complete picture. I think we could create a framework out of everything that we just talked about because it just it makes logical sense, but you'll also have the feeling. Well, I, you said so much epicness. Um, one thing to expand on that I think is really interesting is a concept that a feeling is like a lagging metric. So in business, there's this idea of like, um, I don't know if they call them lagging indices or lagging KPI. The concept is like, some of the things we choose to do don't result in any kind of noticeable result until way later. So for example, if you don't have money today, um, you can't necessarily fix it right this second, but you could change behavior today so that in 90 days you have money. But like with working out, like the feeling comes after you do the action. I think Tony Robbins talks about this too. Like, like, um, like motion action, creates emotion. Yeah, motion creates emotion, right? So, but people, they wait until they feel like it to do something. So for right now, to put it in context of the crazy global pandemic that has everybody freaking out, uh, the thing that everyone's feeling is gross and yucky and bad and dark and sticky and bad, right? So they're feeling fear. Fear is just like sweeping the globe. Not for everybody, not for people like you and me, but I mean- it's a major problem. Like I'm scared the fear and like the psychological trauma that people are going through right now is going to be way worse than any kind of like sickness. So I guess what I'm saying is for someone who's in a state of fear, panic, anxiety, we're basically what you're telling them to do is all these behaviors that they know logically are positive, but they feel absolutely nothing in terms of motivation to do them. They need to do them anyway so that, they don't feel the fear and panic and anxiety anymore. Well, and what you're saying is absolutely true. So I actually went through this a lot in my business. When I was first starting out, I would call people, I'd follow up, I'd, I'd do all these things and I'd get no results. So I'd be like, you know what? I need to take a few weeks. Like I need to chill out for a couple of weeks. This is crazy. And throughout those couple of weeks that I was chilling out, I would make these sales and I'd be like, why was I working so hard in the first place? And I went through this cycle for an entire year until I realized that the reason I was making sales when I wasn't working was because of the seeds that I sowed when I was working hard, but I would just reap the harvest when I wasn't working. So I, I was looking at it right now and thinking, mm -hmm. man, every time I just chill out and just like relax and the stress and pressures off of me, I make all these sales. And then all of a sudden they'd go away and I'd be like, I need to work hard again. And it wouldn't produce anything. And then I go back, okay, I need to take time off. And then it happened. Oh my gosh, it's happening again. And so it's so interesting. And the way that the, the mathematical like formula works when it comes to feeling is that you have a thought. That's number one, that drives feeling. Number one, you can, your body and your mind doesn't know the difference of the reality of the world in front of you right now and actual, the thoughts in your head. 
they're all the same to, to your body. That's why you can think of a lemon, and I don't want to go through the whole thing, but if you try hard enough, you think of a lemon and you put it in your mouth, your mouth will water, even though the lemon's not there. It doesn't exist, but your body will still react to the thought in your mind. And so number one is a thought. Thoughts then create an emotion, and then an emotion creates a feeling, and then that feeling reinforces the thought, and it becomes a belief. I know that was really fast, yet if you yeah, read I've the Bible- Yeah, I've talked about this before, you know, because Myron does a really good teaching on like, the thought in your brain moves to a feeling in your heart, which results in an action in your hand. Like, like there's, they're directly connected, right? Is that kind of what you're talking about? And Dr. Caroline Leaf really like is the one who has done this with like all neuro and like actual doctor and things like that. And that's who I originally learned it from. And it makes so much sense because the Bible says, take every thought captive and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it just made so much sense when I thought, wow, if I can take every thought captive and instead of uh, thinking a negative thought like, oh, I have fear and my business, what if my business shuts down and I can't afford to pay my employees? And then we go down all these thoughts and then they create an emotion and then they create a feeling. And us as humans, the problem is, is that when we have a feeling, we think it's real. Mm. Like when we feel like we're a loser, we're like, well, I must be a loser. <laughs> and it, and it, so it reinforces the thought and then it becomes this belief system that we look at the world through. Ooh, and so man. one of the first things that we can do is we can replace every negative thought. We can first not take uh, every thought as truth. So imagine you're driving through a bridge. I'm sure many of us have done this. We hear about people like have committed suicide in their life. My friend committed suicide. Uh, my friend's uh, son committed suicide the other day, like really terrible thing. And that's not what this is about. But I've driven through bridges before. And my thought in my mind was, what if you jump off? Do you think you could survive? You should jump off and die. Like I've had those thoughts before. Like it was just a thought. Right. And what happens is that people, we so often think, man, like what's wrong with me? Why am I having these thoughts? And then we take ownership over these just random thoughts in our head. And then mm-hmm. they become an emotion. Then they become a feeling. We're like, man, I must be suicidal. And then it's like belief and then it's like creates this problem. Whereas I've just decided that I'm like, that's not my thought. I had a thought, that's okay. But what's the truth in this situation? Because being fearful, being outside of peace, being stressed uh, in a negative sort of stress, all these different feet, like I already know that those are negative and they're not going to do anything positive in my life. And so ultimately when I feel those, I go, okay, what's the truth in this situation? Like, what is the actual truth and how can I make sure that I'm focusing my thoughts on those things? Because it's also says chew on this word day and night. And I started thinking, wow, it's first, it comes from like, what's in our surroundings? What am I consuming? Are you consuming fear all day? That's ingesting, right? So you ingest all around you, the people around you, the books you're reading, the news that you're watching, that's ingesting. Then you digest those thoughts. So that's digest. What are you thinking about every single day? Are you thinking about things that are putting you into peace, putting you into power, are, are into prosperity, the three Ps, or are you thinking about fear and like, because that'll obviously create more of it, right? And then you have your expression. So you ingest, digest, and then you express. And that, I think that's similar to what Myron was saying. And that's just the version that we've created. And so then it creates your actions and you want all three of those things to align. If you're ingesting powerful things, then you're going to think powerful things and you'll probably do powerful things. And so many of us think we don't have control over that. And one of the practical ways you're going to feel like doing powerful things. Say that one more time. Is that at a minimum, you're going to feel like doing powerful things, right? And that's kind of the game. It's like, 
it's not necessarily using willpower, which is a finite resource to do, do things over and over, do the right thing and be perfect and be the perfect business person. And you can't just like muscle your way through all that. But when you genuinely feel like doing it, it's effortless. You just can't not do it. You just desire to do it. And here's one thing they can, they can practically do right now. Every single morning, you do this as a couple, you do it as a family, you can do it as yourself. What I talked about earlier was that you'll never create something in the seen world that isn't first in the unseen world. Never will happen. So if that's true, and, and obviously we get logical on your bad emotions too. Like if you don't work on your business, we'll pull on that string and figure out where that's going to take you. It's not going to look pretty. So why even go down that route? You might as well focus on the ones that are going to get you to a possible solution because we already know that's demise. But I won't get down that logical route yet. But one, one of the things that, that we do is instead of people say be grateful or talk about what you're grateful for every day. And that's great, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to expand your vision. So one of the things that we do is we go back and we have three layers of thankfulness and gratefulness that you can do as a family or yourself and it'll increase your vision and your mind doesn't know the difference between reality or what's in your mind. So the first thing we do is we go back to what are the bad things that have happened to you or the things that have uh, maybe you thought were bad situations, but because you have hindsight, you kind of see how they actually played out in your favor. Write down the thankfulness and gratefulness that you have about those events in the past. And then go through the present. What are you grateful for or thankful for right now? And then the last one that expands your vision, now looking out, is you start writing lists as a couple, as a family, as a single person, doesn't matter. You start writing a list of what you're grateful for and thankful for that you physically don't have yet. Because again, how are you ever going to get it if you've never even seen it? Nothing has been created in this world around me without someone going, huh, I can see that. Let's create that. And so I started doing things that made me feel massively uncomfortable. And we taught our guys to do this, especially if it's uncomfortable. We get taught, don't be saying I'm grateful for the money that I have or the money that I'm going to make. That's, oh, like that's nasty. Be grateful for the time that you have with your family and be grateful for the people that you're impacting. And I started saying, huh, why do I feel that negative feeling? Like, I'm just not saying I'm grateful for money or provision because it's like, oh, that feels weird. So I started doing it. I'm so grateful that I have so many stacks of cash in my house that literally the whole room is full to the ceiling, not including the bank account, my, my browser window. I had to get a, a bigger computer screen because the zeros, like they started going into a different line. Like it was so uncomfortable. I had to get a bigger computer screen. I started saying things like, and again, I don't care about this stuff. It's just, it made me feel uncomfortable. So I started dreaming bigger. Mm-hmm. And this is something that also I thought was interesting. So be grateful for things in the future. I started saying things like my walk-in closet's bigger than my current house. This is so weird. What am I going to do with all this space? Do I really care about that? No, but it made me feel uncomfortable and it made me dream and be creative. And it also made me feel really good. I was like, man, Like I'm starting to think and dream of like what's possible again. And it was starting to make me have some excitement in my day-to-day life because a man without vision will perish and we don't have anything to look forward to. There's no reason to do what we do. But there's a guy the other day that sent me the most interesting Facebook message ever. I never, this is hot off the press. And he says, he has an accent, so I'll try to do it. He goes, Nicholas, uh, you know, I was pouring my coffee the other day and I was pouring it into a mug and I felt like God told me, keep pouring it until you spill it all over the floor and he said my wife is going to be so mad if i overflow and spill this coffee because that's such a waste and he pours it and it falls out on the ground and goes 
you know, my, my wife's like, this is such a waste. Why would I pour out the coffee? And he says, God spoke to me there. And he said, what you see is waste. I call abundance. And most people will look at you when you have abundance and say that you're wasteful. Why do you have that big house? Or why do you have that property? Why do you have that car? And he says, what most people call waste, I call abundance. And Ooh. it just made me think, I said, you know, I was like, this is a most interesting seven-year-old dude ever. And this is the coolest message. Cause even for me, I would have said, why are you wasting that? Oh, why, why are you not eating that food? Why are you, oh, why are you wasting? Why do you have three cars? Why do you have this? And like, projecting all this stuff and it's like man there's what most people call waste god calls abundance and he taught me through a facebook message and i was like man that's wild well, people so, you know, I, I uh i spoke in dallas texas a, a couple weeks ago and uh one of the things i did that i thought was really interesting was i basically got everyone in the room to admit the truth that what they really want is more money now, people don't want to want more money. They don't want to admit that what they really do want is more money. So I had to do it in kind of a roundabout way. So what I did was I had everybody write down, you know, everything they want. There's no rules. If I push a magic button, you could have it. This is personal. It's private. Be honest with yourself. There's no limit to it. I had them write down things. Okay, I want to be financially free. I want to build an, a hospital. I want to start a nonprofit. I want to build orphanages. I want to be a philanthropist, whatever. I want to pay cash for my college education for my kids. I want to whatever, fill in the blank. People have lots of things they say that they want, but no matter what it is that they pick, if you derive, if you reverse engineer it back to its root, it's more money. Everything is more money. I want financial freedom, more money. I want it to be a philanthropist, more money. Like, but, but we have this weird hangup about giving ourselves permission to even acknowledge that what we really do want is more money because it's an amplifier. We will, people that are good will do more good with more money. People that are selfish, greedy jerks will be more selfish greedy jerks and i think we know that but something happens in our brain where we feel super uncomfortable another way uh to do it and i'd love to get your thoughts on all, this whole topic is i'll ask people you know how much health do you want your kids to have throughout their life on a scale of one to ten and they'll say ten i'll say how much joy do you want them to have and they'll say ten i'll ask them all these things and i'll say how much financial success do you want them to have and they'll say ten then i'll say how much financial success do you want to have and it feels different. They're like, well, uh, you know, you know, six, you know, I don't want to make people around me uncomfortable. I don't want to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's totally it's fascinating. Uh, and I don't even know how we got here. This kind of whole conversation. Well, what do you want to, uh, I, we do this inside. We have a lot of couples that inside of BDB, the, either the man or the woman is like the visionary excited going out there. And then we have, typically we marry sometimes the opposite of us. So they'll all be like safe, secure, low risk, right. a nurse, a teacher, whatever. It doesn't matter what gender. And what's so interesting is typically what happens is that the, the mover, the shaker is like, oh my gosh, I want to I do this. I want to do this. This is our goals. This is what we're going to do. Do you want to be, and then the, and then the uh, person that's more reserved is feeling, man, this is overwhelming. He always wants me or, or or he or she always wants me to be this way and like big dreamer and take all these risks. And so the first way we get them to communicate again, because usually it's ruined, like they can't communicate about anything when it comes to vision. They think that they're completely off topic. One of the ways that we have them start communicating again is to think, go up to the person that's reserved and, and not push your agenda on them and ask like, you know what, our kids, do you think that we ever want them to stop like dreaming big? Even when they're 30, do we want our kids to like stop dreaming big and thinking that they can do more? You know what we should do then? We should come together and just 
dream up what are the things we want out of life if it wasn't about time or money or anything? And just start dreaming again, not based on circumstance or based on any of this stuff. And But the key to that, like you just said, was they want their kids to do well. But what if your kids will only do what you've done? And so I'm like, well, if, you're, if you want your kids to not make any money and not dream, well, then don't dream and don't make any money. If, if you don't want them to do big things, well, then don't dream about doing big things and don't take action to do big things. But you never want that. So if you never want it for them, then why are we doing it? And so that's how we get them to start reconnecting is one, don't shove your agenda down the other person's throat if they're more reserved and they don't want it to be about your vision and having to be all about your vision. You want to get two people that have dreams, big dreams, excited dreams because they would never want the opposite for their kids. And you want to figure out what are the ways that we can make this into one dream and we could use our skills, talents, and abilities to be able to get there together as a family? It's a shock to the system when people never do that. Well, it takes practice to do what you're saying, right? So if you have people that have never communicated like that and then you're like, dream big, it it can cause a lot of conflict, right? It it takes practice to do all of it. It takes practice to do the opposite. Everything that we do, you talked about capacity earlier. LeBron James, uh, Kobe Bryant, all these different people, the first time they played basketball, they were probably just as good at water polo or they were probably just as good at basketball as they were at soccer the first time they played. Like maybe they didn't have a capacity. Obviously we saw um, Michael Jordan try to play baseball, but I bet (laughs) you he might've been better at baseball when he first started than basketball because Mm -hmm. no matter what you start, you're going to be bad at it. Right. But you have a capacity in different things to become great. And so everything, everything's going to be hard. Getting a job is hard. Working 40, 50, 60, or for Amazon, 80 hours a week is like the minimum that you can but work. It's, and it's hard because we don't know how to do it yet. It's only hard because we don't, we got to learn. We got to put in the work. And that's, you know, that's so interesting that you said that. We've been increasing our advertising budget because we have things that we can sell right now. And it was so interesting to me because I thought, what are the businesses right now that aren't increasing their advertising budget for spending paid traffic? right now during this time that have something to sell only people that don't know how that's it they don't know how to do it or else they would do it and it's so interesting that sometimes we just don't go down that route because oh i don't do paid ads or i don't do organic marketing right you just don't know how to do it exactly that's okay but like you can learn how to do it i don't know it's just so funny to me but that was a way that i was discovering for me i was like man i'm not paying as much in this because you know i don't know what to do (laughs) it's like okay, well, now that you know that, do you want to figure out how to do it? Because it it works. So why not just go figure it out? Well, I appreciate you hanging out with me, man. I want to land the plane on this. And then I got a few extra questions for you. I'd like to record just kind of privately for our Honor and Fire elite group, maybe another extra 10, 15 minutes. But you are wise beyond your years, my friend. And uh, I love your family. Let's kind of close it out and talk about you being a new dad, talk about family systems. My wife and I are doing a a family challenge starting on Monday called the Branded Family. It's a 10-day challenge. It's really low cost. It's going to be really fun. We're going to help families create a manifesto and their core values and get their logo and get hyper-connected and craft their family's identity and be attentional. It's really, really cool. But what's interesting is um, not that many people have signed up for it. And it's the perfect time to do it. And so I was talking to Ryan Lee earlier about this. Like what's going on in people's heads where they wouldn't want to do something like this? What am I missing? What are men thinking? What are women thinking? There's lots of fear. There's lots of uncertainty. 
what are your thoughts on that? And, and especially with you as a new dad. Yeah. So I think one of the big things right now is that there's two different core motivations with humans, which is like running away from something. Like I don't want to be fat. So I'm going to go to the gym, right? Like I don't want to get heart disease. So I want to go eat healthy. That's like running away from something. Running towards something is like, man, I just want six pack abs. Like that's going to be so awesome. Or I want to buy a house. These are all like things that we can look forward to. And I feel like right now, uh, based on even what you just said, right now people are, are on the more of the side of running away from something. And so if it's running towards motivation, like create this system and like it's right. going to be amazing, then people are like, oh, like that's not even their mindset right now. They're like, how do I run? A, how is this going to help me run away from the mess that's going on right now? So I think that's a, a huge shift right now as well. And for me, I don't know if this helps answer the question, but I think what I said earlier with the commitment to the family, to the relationship is what helps you get through conflict and get on the other side of conflict. And that way that you can have experience a feeling of love again. And that can only happen if you have commitment because you won't communicate if there's no commitment in the family. Mm. And if you're not feeling like you can communicate, then it's probably because you feel like there's a lack of commitment and a lack of trust. And if you did communicate, you may get left or it might turn into a big ordeal. You not be, might not be loved and accepted. That's a great time to maybe go and communicate and figure out about that. Like, why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is setting priorities. Like for me, it's really difficult for people to think I need to put myself first because they're like, man, like, no, I want to, I'd lay down my life for my, I'd lay down. I told my wife I would die a, a terrible death a thousand times over before I'd allow her to die before me. Like a th a infinity over, I don't care the rest of eternity whatever. And maybe when I'm getting tortured, I'll be like, man, that was a really dumb decision. But like, <laughs> you know, that's why I have the commitment. It's over. And I would do it for my son as well. So it's not that I put myself first because I don't care about them more. It's because if I can't honor myself, why would anyone else honor me? If I can't respect myself, why would anyone else respect me? If I can't invest in myself, my body, my health, my vitamins I put in me, if I don't think I'm valuable, why would I expect everyone else all of a sudden to treat me with respect and, and have value for me? And so I take care of myself first as number one. And this just gives you a great lens inside the family of like, doesn't mean it takes more time, right? Just because sleep takes six to eight hours doesn't mean that it's more important than spending time with your kids because you don't spend six to eight hours with them every single day undivided. It's called order of importance, and so when you have an order of importance, it allows you to set boundaries. A book that everyone can grab is called Boundaries. It's got a red cover on it. Go grab it. And you, you, so many times we bleed our boundaries. So number two is relationship with your spouse is more important and, and a higher totem pole than the relationship with your kids. And it teaches them a bad lesson if you always greet your kids and give them attention and never give your wife attention or your husband attention. And so one of the things that we've always put in place is – when I come home, I kiss my wife before I kiss my son. Mm, just I what that. I do. Just because I want to have like, an, not an order of reports, just like a, a priority list. It's not about like, you well, know, there's lots of different hierarchy. It's and actually in, in modern times, people worship their kids. It's really, really bad for marriage. It's bad for everything. It's bad for the kids because it's breaking the natural order. I mean, your marriage is much more important than, now people are going to hate this. Like people will like kiss at this, right? Um, because a lot of people in their marriage would choose their kids over their spouse in a second. And oh, there's yeah. different circumstances and abuse and blah, 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 blah. But I'm not talking about the anomaly. Like, don't, don't make your argument back to me on the anomaly. In general, 
kings and queens rule the household, right? And then the kids are below that. And that has to be that way. That's, that's how you get the biggest results. It's how you set your kids up to have an unfair advantage. We have the same belief system. I actually it's a great example. It's a great example to the kids as well. We, we remember that like our kids don't do what we say. We, they do what we do. And like, mm-hmm. I can't talk so much about having lots of kids because my son's, you know, 13 weeks old, but I can talk <laughs> about because I was a kid. And those mm-hmm. examples is, is what we do, not based on what they say. My dad always told me growing up, Nick, he was drinking, smoking, Nicholas, never drink, Nicholas, never smoke. Like do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And that's like been the common thing. And I think that we could lead by example. And so that's, that's typically the first way that we build things so that I know how to make decisions and set boundaries so that I can be like, okay, I need it. I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to do that so that I can then invest in my family. I'm going to make sure that I spend time and invest in the relationship with my wife before I invest in my relationship with my clients. Not necessarily before in the day, but it's a higher importance. Like Mm -hmm. my wife and I, like there's people that want to talk to me at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And last night I was like, can't need to talk to this person. And then they wanted to spend more time. And I said, Hey, talk to me tomorrow. Cause like I haven't been able to spend time with my wife and in my priority, my lens that I'm looking through, this is more important. I need to set a boundary here. And so that's like, I think it's a very easy way to, to before you create all these different systems, there should be like, an understanding of a principle that you can look through so that you make every decision through that system. And so don't spend more time on a sales call, spending time with people that don't pay you than the people that do pay you if that's a part of your deliverable. Like mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're supposed to be coaching people and they haven't been coached yet and you're on sales calls trying to close deals instead, you're already creating a fail system. If you are spending more time coaching your clients and not giving any time to your family, well, then that's a fail system. You're putting your importance on the clients rather than your family. It doesn't mean time. It means order of importance. And so I'm always like, how do I create a system so that if I know that if something fails, I did the right things. I have a quote that I live by. I'd rather do what I know is right and be willing to fail in everyone else's eyes than do what I already know is wrong and succeed. If I know that I'm not supposed to be an employee, let's say, well, then if I go out and be an employee and someone offers me $100 million a year to be one, I, I would look great in front of everyone, even though deep down inside, I'm like, man, I'm doing the wrong thing, but I look like I'm doing the right thing in front of everyone else. How often do we keep that job or keep that business or do that same thing? Because we're like, man, this makes me successful in everyone else's eyes. I would rather do what's right and be willing to fail in front of all y'all because I already know that I did the right thing and I'm willing to fail in front of you because I know that's true success. Ultimate failure, I think that Tony Robbins says this, ultimate failure is having success without fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the worst thing that you can do. Go be successful in front of everyone else's eyes and know that you did the wrong thing the whole time. It's a very gross thought that I don't want that yucky thought. Hey, I, I want... I reject that thought. What's the <laughs> truth? Yeah. You've given us a lot to to think about. I do look forward to asking you a few more questions in our little bonus session about family systems and some just more of the gold that you're talking about. And we have a couple questions for you. But just to recap, pressure doesn't create weakness. It exposes weakness. That was one of the huge takeaways. Uh, Don't live your life looking with a lottery mindset, looking for the next big thing where you'll get lucky and all of your wildest dreams will come true. Instead, you have to have real commitment. You have to do the work. The feeling will come after you do the work. Um, and if it's meant to be, it's up to me. 
And then the definition of commitment, Nicholas said, is doing what you said you'd do after the feeling is gone when you originally said it. And you said a million other good things. I want to thank you uh, for your time, Nicholas. And, and I want to encourage everybody listening to sign up for the 10-day branded family challenge. Um, I've, now, I got to think of some ways to word it so that you're running away from the pain instead of towards the aspiration. <laughs> but go to honorandfire.com forward slash challenge and check it out because it's awesome. It's only 19 bucks. We're going to hang out starting next week. So get on it. Take action. Uh, thank you, Nicholas. You are the man. High five, fist bump, noogie. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone that listened as well. I think it's really cool. If you made it this far, we should be friends. Yeah. And how can people connect with you, with your community, with all the resources that you have? Maybe we could throw like something down in the comments or something like that and have someone send a message. If you have a takeaway, I would love to hear it. Instagram, Nicholas Barely. Facebook, Nicholas Barely, which is where we're at. Just click on my little profile. Send me a quick message. Say what's up. Because if you send a friend request, I won't see it most likely. I don't really look at friend requests. So that would be absolutely amazing. And outside of that, you can uh, Google the Billion Dollar Body, the Billion Dollar Brotherhood, and there's a bunch of different free resources as well. Yeah, check it out. His community is awesome. Um, I've met some of the people in there, and Nicholas is awesome, as you've just learned. So check out Billion Dollar Body. And uh, that's it. I'll, I'll see you in just a few minutes. And thank you, everybody. Take care. God bless. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.